2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 6. And so uh, this kind of just uh, lets us know that we, we deal with some unseen stuff. We contend with some unseen things. And so I'll explain uh, why even this word is so important tonight, uh, because uh, you'll see in just a little bit. But let me read 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6. And it says this, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready. I like this word and being ready to punish all disobedience. When your obedience is fulfilled. And so I just kind of just need to shift gears because we're going to punish the enemy and the forces of darkness tonight in the name of Jesus. Even now, we're about to punish him and give him a black eye. So I'm going to teach, train, but we're going to go for it tonight. Amen. So we're dealing with the weapons of our warfare. And see, the enemy don't want us using and understanding how to use effectively and efficiently the weapons of our warfare. And so even the training tonight is something that you're familiar with, for many are familiar with, but we're, gonna just, we're just going to sharpen some things. So again, when we break down the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6, I just want to extract uh, what the Bible says, how our weapons, some ways in which our weapons function and how they use. And so number one, understand this about our weapons. They are mighty in God. God ain't no slouch. We've talked about Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of angel armies, the Lord of hosts. And so the weapons that we've been given, the weapons that we've been armed with are mighty. As long as you are connected and staying in fellowship and in relationship with him. Otherwise, they're not going to be as effective as the way they need to be. Number two, what our weapons do, they pull down strongholds. So it doesn't matter what the stronghold is, the weapons that we've been given are able to pull them down. And I thank God for that. When you know how to use these weapons, and we've talked about this before when we, we, when we ministered on upgrading, when you upgrade your personnel, then these weapons are good to go. And so you know how to use them effectively. Uh, number three, what our weapons do, they cast down arguments against the knowledge of God. You don't have to argue in the same manner which people might argue back with you. No, we stay in the spirit realm and we go ahead and use our weapons. And what those weapons will begin to do on your behalf, on my behalf, is begin to cast down those arguments that raise up against the knowledge of God. Number four, they cast down every high thing. And those high things are those wicked spiritual forces in the realm of the heavenlies. What our weapons do, they cast them down. It's upon us. It's upon our authority in connection and in relationship with the Lord, but it's upon us to be able to pull these strongholds down. So again, they cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Number five, they bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You might want to underline that. Underline it, highlight it in the scripture. They bring every thought. And so some right now, uh, if you need to, just lay your hands on your head and say, God, I thank you, Lord, that every thought is being captive and obedient to you in Jesus' name. And then lastly, what our weapons do, they are ready to punish disobedience when we obey completely. When obedience is fulfilled, then we get the full effect of what our weapons are able to do. And so we've dealt with uh, last Wednesday and I believe the week before, uh, dealt a little bit with the weapon of prophecy and how we're able to wage war with prophecy. And so uh, there are several elements that God has given us as weaponry, uh, but what we're going to do tonight is talk about one weapon in particular. 
And that is the weapon of prayer and fasting. Glory to God, prayer and fasting. Come on, Jesus. And so if you fast with no focus in prayer, if you fast with no focus in prayer, what you're actually doing, you're just on a diet. Which in and of itself is, is fine. It's okay. Because what you might hear in modern day times, uh, people do something what is called intermittent, if I'm pronouncing that right, intermittent fasting. And so what that is, that's just a cycle of eating and, and, and not eating. It's a pattern. And so there is a benefit to your body, uh, you know, with, with fasting. But again, fasting in isolation is just about you. And your body, body, you know, it, it can heal and recover and do some things of that nature. But again, that's just about you. But when you have prayer and fasting, when you have prayer and fasting, the scope, the impact is so much broader. And that's what we're going to dig into tonight. So turn with me. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. We're going to punish the enemy tonight in the name of Jesus. He cannot. Somebody just say he cannot stop the stream. He cannot stop the stream of God. He cannot stop the river. He cannot stop the flow. Glory to God. Ah, Matthew chapter 17. All right, I'm just going to turn up. I don't care. Let's go. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 through 21. And this is Jesus. We're going to start with this account and we're going to train. This is going to be a Bible study tonight. And when they had come to the multitude... A man came to him, kneeling down, him being Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, verse 16. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. I'm putting that in quotations. They could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. I'm going to say that again. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Verse 20, so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Didn't we just sing, turn it around? Nothing's too difficult. Nothing's impossible. And now Jesus turns it around on us and says, if you do this, nothing will be impossible for you. Somebody to say nothing is impossible for me. <laughs> But verse 21, here we go right here. Bold it, underline it, highlight it. After all that is said, here's a key nugget right here. However, this kind does not go out. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Woo! Keep your intermittent fast. That's great. But we're talking about the weapon of prayer and fasting. So we see here, faith can move a mountain. But rebuking an unseen demon, an unseen force, requires a different weapon. It requires a different weapon. And so we often hear fasting as a form of penance and repentance. But here Jesus talks about prayer and fasting that goes beyond this. 
He gives us another dimension. He gives us another insight, another key of understanding. And then he lets us know that prayer and fasting was the driving force for the expulsion of the unseen enemy that the boy was oppressed with. So again, we're familiar with this, but I need to slow this down for some. Jesus said, hey, this does not come out except by prayer and by fasting. In the natural, the boy was dealing with epilepsy. And epilepsy is described as a neurological disorder. And of course, there's many symptoms, but we saw what the boy was dealing with. But epilepsy is described in modern day science as a neurological disorder. But I love this. Jesus didn't speak to the science of the matter. He spoke to the spirit. He spoke to the spirit of the matter because science can only do science. And that's OK. Science is, is great in, its, in, in itself, but it has its limits. And it deals with what we see on the surface. But the spirit does spirit. And the spirit of God does the spirit well. <laughs> Glory to God. And then I want to encourage you for some, if you are a believer and if you've been scientifically trained and have scientific credentials, great, fine, all well and done. You can operate in both realms, but remember that you have the responsibility to be led by the spirit first. The spirit supersedes. This might sound controversial to some. I'm not saying this irresponsibly, but it's the truth of the matter. The spirit supersedes science. The spirit always understand that the spirit supersedes science. Come on, somebody. So whenever when you're contending and whenever you're dealing with some things, go in the realm of the spirit. And it begins to turn around some things when you know how to access and when you know how to war with the weapons that you and I have been given. You can begin to shift some things in regards to what you see. Glory to God. And so there are many occasions when there's a spirit influencing what might be seen in the scientific or in the natural realm. And so we look at this in the natural. So the boy's father was looking for a cure. The boy's father was looking for a cure, but then Jesus brought the cast out. <laughs> the boy's father was looking for a cure. Who knows how many physicians he may have gone to. The Bible doesn't make mention, uh, but the boy was dealing with this and it was a violent thing. Dealing with epilepsy. But Jesus, again, spoke to the spirit of the matter. He went to the higher realm and got to the root. He went straight for the stronghold. I like to say it like this. Jesus went for the jugular. And then what he did, he just simply cast out that demon. It wasn't a war. It wasn't a fight. The demon had to go. That's the superseding. And then the Bible says this, that the boy was cured just like that. Come on, God, just like that. But, but, but. Again, Jesus said that this happened because of prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting. Somebody just say it. You don't even have to post it, but just say it out your mouth. Just say prayer and fasting. However you might be watching or even listening, prayer and fasting. And so that to me indicates to me that Jesus lived a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. He lived a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. There was one occasion uh, that the Bible, of course, we know about the 40 days. We'll get there in just a little bit. But there was another occasion where the disciples, where Jesus was just had an encounter with the woman at the well. 
in Samaria. He just had an encounter with the woman at the well. And then his disciples came to him and said, Master, uh, eat something. And then Jesus responded to them. He said, look, I have food that you don't know of. And then he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. That's his food. So to me, that was just an indicator. It's like, oh, if Jesus said some things come by fasting and prayer, uh, that was just an indicator. It's like, oh, Jesus, this was your lifestyle. He understood this as a weapon. He understood that prayer and fasting was a two edged sword. Glory to God. That is mighty in God. <laughs> and he dealt with the stronghold that was in that boy. Come on. So I want you to turn with me in Matthew chapter four. We're going to go there. You can see the same text in Luke four, but we're going to look at Matthew. Uh, we're going to look at Matthew. Glory to God. Matthew chapter four. We're going to start at verse one because we're going to see here. Jesus knew this weapon. He knew about the power of prayer and fasting. Because he was led to go into the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights and had nothing as it pertains to drinking or, 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 or eating. And so he had a personal experience of driving out, not just a demon, but Satan himself. Y'all there? Matthew chapter four, starting at verse one. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now, verse three. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Oh, so Jesus already said this. He said, my bread is, is the will of the father. OK, but let me keep going. Verse five. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Woo! My goodness. And again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then verse 11, we'll stop here. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Wow. So you see this power of prayer and fasting. And this is a whole nother story. I don't want to get off on a tangent for this, but at the end, angels came and ministered to him. So when you when you operating in a lifestyle of, of prayer and fasting, you've got angelic assistance. And then you're solidified. God continues to solidify your identity and your flesh isn't ruling you. But you but your spirit man is, is in rule. 
And so when we're talking about engaging prayer and fasting, I was just having this conversation with the Lord. Uh, it was a couple of days ago and it's simple, but sometimes it's the simple things that can be the most profound. And so God was just beginning to speak to me about fasting and stuff that you knew, but it's always good to hear. But he says the enemy gains access into our lives through the flesh and fleshly desires. So when you deny your flesh and when you deny yourself, it closes the access door. It closes the access door. So then I asked, I was like, okay, God, so how can this authority, how can this authority that you've given us, how can it be sustained once we eat and regain strength? And then God spoke to me. He said, now this is through prayer. So you close the door through fasting and then you sustain the authority, you sustain the power through prayer. So again, power is sustained in prayer. And then when you, when you do eat, you continue in praying. But then it's increased again, your authority, that level goes up to another level when you pray and fast. So here's the thought. Because prayer and fasting is effective. Oh, it is such a mighty and it is such a powerful and a strong weapon. And it is encouraged for the body of Christ. And other belief systems, man, I, I know they fast. They have their fast, but they don't fast like we do. And God is not involved in their fasting. We're going to talk about that. But write this down. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting increases your spiritual awareness and authority. Prayer and fasting increases your spiritual awareness and authority. I'm going to share with us just three examples, three individuals who we realized that they fasted in some form or fashion. And of course, we read about Jesus and we're going to explain about uh, and we're going to look at that in just a little bit. But do you remember Esther, Queen Esther, who was married to King of Circes? So Esther, again, I want to say this prayer and fasting increases your spiritual awareness and your authority twofold there. But when we look at Esther Esther was able to get strategy. For those that do not know, Esther was married to a, a, a king here, and then it was her people's lives that were at stake. It was her people's lives at stake. And then her cousin, uh, Mordecai, was said, hey, you know what, Esther, you've been chosen as queen for such a time as this. But the rule was this. If the queen was to come before the, was to come before the king without being invited, she could lose her life. But again, he didn't know that she was a Jew. And then this gentleman who was a counselor for the king named Haman had a plot to destroy the Jews. And so Esther was made aware of this. But she was like, look, send a message to Mordecai. And this is what you need to say. So in Esther chapter four, verse 16, I'm just going to read it. Uh, she said this, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days. So this was the, the most complete fast. I know there's different types of fast where there's water only, there's vegetables, raw vegetables, and so forth and so on. But she said this fast, for three days, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Oh, my God. 
And she said, so in other words, it's like, look, I want you to fast and I'm going to go before the king without his invitation. But if I die, I die. But fast and pray for me. So then what happened was she got strategy. She got the strategy. And here's the other thing that you'll see. She got the awareness of the strategy as far as for what she needed to do to bring about deliverance for her people. But then she also got an increase of authority. So we'll look at this in Esther chapter 5, verses 2 through 3. Look at what happened as a result of prayer and fasting these three days. So it was. She, she's now presenting herself before the king. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. And then verse three, and the king said to her, what do you wish, Queen Esther? This is so good. What is your request? It shall be given to you up to it shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. So again, she was aware of the strategy. I need to go before the king, even though it's against the law. I need to go before the king. And then her authority was increased. So the scepter of the king was extended towards her. So now he said, whatever you want, you have favor in my eyes and up to half the kingdom. What is your request? And then she began to present. Uh, if you continue on reading through the story, uh, then she told the king, it was like, look, I want you and Haman to come have a feast. And she said it twice. And then she spilled the beans and said, hey, you know, Haman's been trying to kill the kill my people. And, he, and the king was like, who are your people? She said, I'm a Jew. And so uh, Haman got hung. But all because of prayer and fasting, there was an increase of awareness and an increase of authority. Daniel, we're familiar with Daniel. Most of us are. But for those that don't know, Daniel was again in another kingdom. He was a Jew as well in another kingdom. Woo. So prayer and fasting allows us to be able to operate in a whole nother kingdom, a whole nother realm, but still have influence, still have increase of awareness and authority. So Daniel. Uh, you remember, for those that don't know, we know Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, of course, they were uh, uh, to be tested before the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. And so uh, they had a eunuch who was supposed to be able to train them as far as for understanding, train them of the new culture, the new Babylonian culture. And they, the eunuch was to give them, the trainer was to give them, let me speak it in layman's terms, the trainer was to give them uh, the king's delicacies, all the finest of, the, of the, the meats and the things of that nature of that day. But they sacrificed those foods to, of false gods. So Daniel and the three Hebrew boys said, hey, we're not going to eat those. The eunuch was like, I could get in trouble. But the, the three Hebrew boys and Daniel said, hey, just allow us to do this. Give us 10 days. Just give us vegetables and water only. At the end of the 10 days, they were found 10 times better and even looked better. And so from that point on, they were just given vegetables and water. That was in year one of being in this new kingdom. But in year two, I'll read here Daniel chapter two, verse 47 through 49, because Nebuchadnezzar had a crazy dream, had a crazy dream. And then said, uh, and so Daniel was given the gift of interpretation. And then Daniel said this, verse 47, the king answered Daniel after Daniel gave him the interpretation. The king said to answer Daniel to said, truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets since you could reveal the secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon. 
and the chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Verse 49, also Daniel petitioned the king. Here we go again. And he's in the king set Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. So again, we got this increase of awareness. Daniel understood it was like, hey, you know what? Give us vegetables and water only. Then he got an increase, a gift of awareness to be able to give the give the dream that the king had because the king didn't tell anybody. Daniel told him what he dreamed and then told him what he meant. And then the king was like, truly, your God is the God of all gods. But we see this as a result of a type of fast. And many people describe this as the Daniel fast when it was just vegetables and water. But now we look at Jesus. We see Jesus here. One of the results of his prayer and fasting. Um, and you can find this in Luke chapter four, verse 14. But one, Jesus knew this is an awareness. He knew who he was, said you can't tempt the Lord your God. And then he knew who he was dealing with by saying, man, get away from me, Satan. So he knew what the enemy was trying to do. That's awareness. You always want to be aware of the enemy's devices, of the enemy's schemes. And the Bible even encourages that. But it helps us to have a life, uh, especially through prayer and fasting, where we increase of our awareness and our discernment. But Luke chapter 4, verse 14, I just want to read this part. So again, this is the same 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. But Luke records this after Jesus prayed and fasted. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. That's it. And Jesus returned after praying and fasting in the power of the spirit and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. So here we go. Just to understand, just to give you a little sequence here. Jesus had just got baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. The spirit descended upon him as a dove. Then the spirit led him into the wilderness to pray. And then while he was in the wilderness, the enemy tempted him. So now the spirit of God was still with him. But the Bible says this at the end of praying and fasting, he returns in power. It's a whole nother dimension, a whole nother level of awareness and authority. And then Jesus officially, officially began his public ministry, went to work, started calling out his started recruiting his disciples. That's a part of that awareness and, and so forth and so on. Healing, delivering, casting out demons, devils, the whole nine. As a result of prayer and fasting. So because of these 40 days, and I, and I just personally believe, not saying that Jesus spent another 40 days, but I believe there were moments where Jesus still prayed and fasted. And so he was able to tell his disciples, look, this demon, demon isn't going to be driven out except through prayer and through fasting. How do I know? Because I've already spent 40 days and at the end of the 40 days of praying and fasting, I rebuke Satan himself. Come on, somebody. So it is power and he gives us this weapon as well. So it's got to be weaponized. It has to be sharp. It has to be active as he leads, as he leads. So we've seen it in Jesus life and in the, uh, in the, and in the lives of the others that we've mentioned. But I need to highlight and bring this out. Prayer and fasting isn't about you. <laughs> Let me take a sip on that. Prayer and fasting isn't about you. Fasting, as I mentioned, fasting is about you. It's good for your health. Intermittent fasting, fine, great. Two thumbs up. But prayer and fasting is another dimension. When you focus in on prayer, prayer and fasting is another dimension. 
And so, again, it's not about you, nor is it about you looking somber when you do fast and pray. It's not about, oh, my gosh, I'm fasting and praying. Woe is me. Jesus says this, wash your face. Clean up. I'm adding this. Throw on some perfume, some cologne. Check yourself. Check your flesh. Don't be complaining. Don't be bitter. Don't be mad at people. That's that flesh actually acting up. <laughs> That's that flesh. And I know you've heard it before, but sometimes, you know, people will want to be able to offer you food when you pray or fasting. And then Jesus says this. Don't be announcing it abroad to everybody either. Don't be saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm fasting. I'm praying. Look at me. That's not it. No, but we quietly do it and we stay in a heart that's humble and submitted to the Lord, but know that he is sharpening us. But then we're also praying for others as well. So here we go. It's not about you or looking somber to show others how spiritual you are, nor the sacrifice you're making. Praying and fasting, praying and fasting, um, a major, 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 major part of it, the majority of it is about others. It's about others' liberty. My God. It's about the liberty of other people. And then if you understand this, bring it in context, freeing people most typically requires some form of warfare. Whenever there, even in the natural, whenever there's a people group in bondage, somebody's got to go to war to freedom. Somebody has to go to war. So Jesus went to war because he knew that I've come to set the captives free. He knew that was his mission, that was assignment, but he was weaponized and he knew prayer and fasting was key. So tonight, Passover, Passover, it begins tonight at sundown. And for those that do not know, Passover is all about the liberty of people. The historical context of Passover was about the liberty of people. You can read about it in Exodus. But it's about the liberty of people. And we understand that the, the, the Jewish people, the Hebrews, they were in bondage in Egypt. They were oppressed. They were enslaved. And they were oppressed and they were enslaved. And so after the, the different, the, different um, the plagues that came about, we understand the 10 plagues. It was this 10th one that was coming where God was really just going to show up and make sure that his people were let go. And his people were let go. So tonight is a powerful night. Tonight is a powerful night. And so um, he, gave, he gives Moses this instruction uh, because he says this. Uh, he uh, he wants the people, wanted the, God wanted the people to either sacrifice a lamb or, or a goat. And then they were supposed to take the blood. Come on. That's why we're a ministry that still, we still preach the blood. But not just the blood of animals. We don't preach the blood of animals. We preach the blood of Jesus. But again, in context, and so Exodus chapter 12, verse 13, it says this, the blood shall be a sign for you. The blood, somebody just say the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. Whew. If you want to rebuke a demon, one thing that you can say is I plead, I declare the blood of Jesus. Dark forces cannot deal with the blood, the blood, the blood. All right. But anyways. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, this is God telling Moses. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Hallelujah. And no plague and no plague will befall you to destroy you. Ah, 
when I strike the land of Egypt. So I'm going to re read this again. And when I see the blood, when I see the blood in your house, when I see the blood over your house, when I see the blood over your life, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this is one thing that I encourage you to do. If you got it, then you can do it tonight. If you got some olive oil or if you've got some anointing oil, anoint your doors. I know we've mentioned it maybe a few weeks back, but I just want to make it plain and clear. Anoint your doors. We know what we're contending with as a nation. We know what we're contending with as a world. But we also understand that the spirit supersedes any scientific uh, thing. And even if it's a demonic, whatever the case, I'm not speaking on that here or there, um, the device where it comes from. I'm just saying this, that it does not have to befall you. It does not have to befall us. When we understand the weapons that are available for us, the blood of Jesus, prayer and fasting is available for us. So again, get some anointing oil or get, you can get some olive oil. You can find that at any local grocery store if you don't already have it in your house. If you do have it in your house, just consecrate it for the moment. This is what you can do. You can just say, Father, I just set aside this, this oil right now for anointing. God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, God, that this is just symbolic of the anointing, symbolic of the anointing. And just begin to just, uh, what I just personally do, however you anoint your house, go ahead and do that. But again, specifically anoint the doors, anoint the doors, the exterior doors, anoint the exterior doors, the doors that lead to the outside. We're just believing and declaring tonight in this Passover season, and I know we're not the only ones, so we got so many members of the body of Christ saying this. But in this Passover season, that God is passing over and that no plague shall befall us. And I, and I mean no plague. We know the, the main virus that's, per, that's been uh, the news. But even beyond that, no plague come nigh our house nor our dwelling place in the name of Jesus. So you anoint your doors. I, I normally, it's just maybe because I've seen it, maybe I was taught it. I don't know, but I... I normally just, you know, take the oil and I put it on the cross. And so what my family, what we did tonight, you know, I, I anointed my children. I anointed my wife. And then uh, I anointed one door. And then I placed oil, uh, just, a, just, a, just a little drop on each of their fingers. And I instructed my children so that way they understand even as they get older to be able to anoint. So I was like, okay, go anoint this door. Go anoint that door. And then they just started just anointing all the doors, which is totally fine. But again, uh, anoint or re-anoint your home. Shucks, even if you got a sliding door, you don't have to anoint the glass, but put some oil on that handle. <laughs> as a result, and then for those that do not know, we as a ministry, our congregation this day have consecrated, you know, God placed it upon my heart. Um, it's like, you know, this day I want you to pray and fast. I want you to pray and fast. So we've been locked in. We've been zoned in, sharpening, sharpening, sharpening. And I'm telling you, you and I, and even if you haven't, even if you're not a part of Abounding Grace, then you can still fast and pray, fast and pray. Again, don't just skip a meal and then say, oh, I guess I'm fasting now. Uh-uh. <laughs> it's intentional. <laughs> we don't want to accidentally do it. This is intentional. 
It's intentional. So again, we've been praying and fasting. And then I also know that the beautiful thing about this, I wasn't even aware when God told me, but until after the fact uh, that as other members of the body of Christ, several members, uh, you know, all over the world have been taking this day specifically to pray and fast. So we're not just even alone in this. There is so much power. If you can just sense it right now in the name of Jesus, there are brothers and sisters across the world praying the body of Christ in different time zones Whew. in different time zones and, and I'm just getting this sense even now so even as they're lifting up prayers because again fasting and praying is really for other people we benefit uh, we get strengthened, but so that way we can be a blessing to other people. We get stronger. We come out in power. The scepter is extended. All of this for other people. We increase in our awareness on behalf of other people. But again, we got other brothers and sisters praying across the world. So God, I know he's spoken it to so many different people. And this is the image that just came to me when I said uh, different time zones. I didn't think about this, but I believe God is just kind of giving me a download right now. In the midst, you got brothers and sisters praying ahead of us and behind us. Let me put this in another term. We have prayers going up before our future and dealing with our past. <laughs> Meaning that it is all covered. And then you got brothers and sisters praying in your present. So you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be in fear. You don't have to worry. I'm just even speaking this is even now because we understand that uh, uh, for, for those that might have been impacted financially, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be in fear. I'm telling you, there is prayers going up and especially for us that, that believe in praying in the spirit because then there's moments when we don't know what to pray. We got that. Oh, there's so many advantages. We got that next level of praying. And so God and the angels are all in heaven is all working together. It's, a, it's, it's all working together for our benefit, for his will, for his glory. So somebody just right now, just thank God that your future, your present and your past is all covered in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. You can just lift your hands because uh, this is one thing that I'm just I just got this sense that Jesus is just even reminding me now. He was like, because while you all are praying on earth, guess who's praying up in heaven? Jesus is at the right hand of the father. Inter he's still praying, still praying. And I'm not speaking a whole nother message on intercession, but it is a powerful ministry. It is a powerful force, prayer and fasting. Glory to God. So again, I just want to even say now, thank you to those that have been fasting. Stick with it. The grace of God as you intensify it, man, you just picked it up. I know my wife and I and the whole family, uh, we just had a moment. God was like, you know, call the family. Let's pray. So we just all pray together and just the intensity was just ratcheted up the whole nine. So again, your future, your present and your past. God's got all time zones covered within time. And then Jesus is praying outside of time. Oh, we're covered. We're covered. God's got this time zone and then he's got eternity covered. And oh, I'm just gotten, I'm just hearing this. Even as you pray and fast, there is his scepter being extended for you. Because when we're seated in Christ, he goes before the king with permission. It's not illegal. <laughs> it's not illegal. We have, we have access to the throne 24-7. The Bible says this, come boldly before the throne of grace. 
And forgive me, I'm just blanking out on the next part. But for those that remember the next part, just finish that verse and post that. Put it in there. <laughs> yeah, that you may obtain mercy. Thank you, Lord. That you may obtain mercy and grace in the times of trouble. I believe that's correct. Yeah. Amen. So that's what we, that's. Ooh. And so as we're praying and fasting and as his scepter is extended and as we're coming before his throne of grace boldly, that we will have mercy. That's one thing that I've been saying, God, even as you deal with this nation and this whole world, God, have mercy. Have mercy on us. Have mercy because God looks to have mercy. That's his nature. That's what his throne is founded upon. All right. So glory to God. Bible study. Bible study. I know it's a lot, but stay in there. Stay with us. Stay with us. And for those that are receiving, stay plugged in, stay connected. So again, our congregation, we've been praying and fasting. And what we've, what we've been doing in particular, of course, there could be multiple scriptures. But what we've been praying off of is based upon Isaiah chapter 58, verses 6 through 12. Verses 6 through 12. And I just want to finish, um, uh, close with this, this thought right here, and then we're going to pray. Then we're just going to pray corporately. So I want to read it, but then I want to extract some things so that way we can pray it together. Amen. And so uh, Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah chapter 58, verses six through 12. And actually, let me just turn here um, in another translation. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for prayer and fasting. Thank you for prayer and fasting and that we are sharp in it. God, that we are glad when you call a prayer and fast. <laughs> we don't dredge it. We don't dredge it. New King James Version. Let me start at verse 6. Because, because some people, they were fasting, but they were fasting for their own convenience. And they were still, they were still fasting in a manner, uh, but it was showy. It was showy, and their hearts were not in the right place when they were fasting. They were still doing what they normally do. And here's the thing. Let me just say this now. At the result of praying fasting, you should not be the same. There is promotion. When, we, when I talked about increasing of a level of authority, that comes with promotion. So, again, prayer and fasting. And then the Bible says this. God says this. Verse 6. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? <laughs> Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, verse 7, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning, and your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away, if you, if you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the fingers and speaking wickedness. So this ain't the time to be blaming or doing anything of that nature. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. Look at all these benefits. 
and you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And I'll finish with this. Those from among you shall build the old waste places and you shall raise up the foundation of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Glory to God. And then again, this one I want to be able to train some. Some are familiar with this, but some are not. But this is the kind of fasting that God chooses. And you see that it's to benefit and to liberate other people for their freedom and for their breakthrough. And so prayer and fasting, when I start to look at some of the phrasing and terminology of this, uh, it's got some it's got some warfare type connotation to it. When you look at it, it says the bonds of wickedness be loosed, that heavy burdens be lifted, that the oppressed are freed, that yokes are broken and that our light hear this word again. Our light is breaking forth. Our light is breaking forth like the morning. Healing is springing forth speedily. Righteousness goes before us. And then I want to highlight this. The glory of God be and is our rear guard. That's a military term. The glory of God. Did not say that our future, our present and our past is covered. So the glory of God is our rear guard. And so the rear guard is a military position to the cut to, to, to cover and protect you from any attacks that come from behind. I got to explain that to you. So what it is, the glory of God protects us even from the past. When we pray and when we fast properly, when our hearts are connected to him, even the stuff that we've done in our past, God says, hey, my glory, I got you covered. My glory shall be a real guard and will fight for you. And he says, and your, and, and your righteousness shall go before you. When you do, when this is the kind of fast that God chooses. Somebody just thank God right there just for his glory, for the glory of God, just even covering your rear, covering your past. You don't have to go back and revisit it. It's covered in glory. Meaning that God uses that for his glory. Even if it's a sin, even if, even if it's a sin or if it's a mistake. I know that's just some extra revelation in regards to that, but just receive that right now. The glory of God is your rear guard. You are surrounded. You are surrounded. And then he says this, not only is my glory your rear guard, not only is my Shekinah glory the heavy weight. Well, I'm not going to do a teaching no glory, but not only is my glory your rear guard, but he says this, your righteousness is before you and I will guide you continually. So you got the righteousness right here before you, the glory of God covering your rear guard, and then uh, he's guiding it. So he's ahead of us. So again, he's got our future. He's got our present. He's got our past. When we pray and when we fast, or did I just freestyle? He's got a future, he's got a present, he's got a past when we pray and when we fast. I ain't going to spit, but I like that right there. I like that right there. All right, so he says this, God will continually guide us and he will strengthen your bones. I'm just going to say this word right now that, that just came to me. So anybody that's dealing with any malnutrition, any marrow deficiency, God, under the sound of my voice and your word, God, strengthen their bones in the name of Jesus. 
strengthen their bones. May the strength of God come to your bones. May life and vitality and, and, and be restored. I'm just saying this. You know, our prayer and fasting today includes you. God, so I thank you, Lord, for uh, whatever disorder in the bones, God, that you bring strength to that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, strengthen their bones. Strengthen their bones. Strengthen their bones in Jesus' name. And then he says this. We will be like a spring whose waters always flow. We will raise up the foundation of many generations and the people from among us will be repairers and restorers. That's what we've been praying out. I've said those things as bullet points, but just to let some of you know, that's what we've been praying out as a congregation today. That's what we've been roaring with uh, as far as for our prayer and fasting. So I want to encourage you to just even join us today because uh, I'm going to pray this out now. I said it, but I want to pray this part out. And then as a result of our prayer and fasting, may it be said, may it be said like Nebuchadnezzar said to, said to Daniel, may it be said uh, about us that truly our God is the God of all gods and that truly our God is the Lord of all kings. Our God is the Lord of all presidents. Our God is the Lord of all prime ministers. Come on. That's what our God does. And I'm telling you uh, that there is some intense praying and fasting. There's fervent and effectual prayer that is going on right now. But power and strength is available to us. Power and strength is available to you. So be infused with this in the name of Jesus. There's another level of authority that you're beginning to step into in the name of Jesus. There's another level of awareness that you're beginning that you're going to be able to step into in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, even now that there's going to be an activation an activation of giftings that have been dormant. That'll be used for such a time as this. Used for such a time as this. Let me take a, take a sip before we just uh, get into prayer. But again, just thank God because we got Jesus praying for us at the right hand of the Father. We have the Holy Spirit. When we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit prays with us and through us. And then we can pray in our understanding, however you, however you, however you desire to pray, we're just going to pray right now. Amen. Prayer accomplishes much. The fervent and effectual prayer of the righteous availeth much. It accomplishes a whole lot. So God, let faith be activated in the name of Jesus. And so, um, God, we thank you in the name of Jesus and we decree and declare we decree and declare that bonds of wickedness, pray saints, let's pray right now. We decree and declare, and you can repeat this after me as well, that bonds of wickedness be loosed in Jesus' name. That heavy burdens are lifted. Heavy burdens are lifted. Heavy burdens are lifted. God, we decree and declare that the oppressed, that the oppressed are freed. Now, let me include this because we read we read about this. But God, uh, those that are even dealing with the oppression of epilepsy. Of epilepsy and, and any other neurological disorder in the name of Jesus. God, we don't speak to the science of the matter. We speak to the spirit. Loose them and let them go. The blood of Jesus stands against every demonic force that would uh, influence neurological disorders. We cast you out in the name of Jesus. Let the oppressed be free. Let the oppressed be free. God, we decree and declare, God, that yokes are broken. Yokes are broken. 
God, we decree and declare now, God, that our light is breaking forth like the morning. God, we decree and declare, God, that healing is springing forth speedily. Come on, healing. Spring forth speedily. Spring forth speedily. God, we thank you, Father, that our righteous, that righteousness is going before us. God, and we thank you because we're thanking him for this now. We thank you, Father, that, that your glory is our rear guard. We don't have to worry. God, we got confidence. God, let confidence, God, let that boldness rise up right now as your scepter is being extended in the name of Jesus. Let confidence rise up amongst your people. Your glory, God. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for your glory. Somebody thank him for his glory. Thank you, God, for your glory.